That's why I just love personal training and strength and conditioning is because everybody's a unique puzzle and everybody's a unique individual. And the expertise of the coach really comes into play to move the needle. And I like to say, hey, am I really good? Like if there's a um, hundred strength coaches out there, I want to be the one, if I jive with this person, I want to be the one to, to get the best results. Hello, everyone. It's Jordan Boxer, your host of Leaders in Sport, a podcast brought to you by Designs for Sport, which is an industry-leading supplement company with all NSF for Sport supplements and education gear to help elevate the industry and support fit pros. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Leaders in Sport. My name is Jordan Boxer, and I am your host. And today I am met by a good friend of mine, David Lawrence. Um, hey, Dave. What's going or on? Or David. David or Dave? Either. Davide? You're <laughs> Italian today? Um, so Dave is the founder of Mecca, which is Michigan Elite Conditioning for Athletes. Um, high-end strength coach, was a high-performing athlete in football, uh, plays recreational basketball, and apparently is dominating the league. <laughs> <laughs> average. Average football player. Still, still getting my uh, jumper back. Yeah. Average, eh? What does it make everyone who didn't win a state title? Or whatever, you guys won. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. Um, but no, Dave, thanks for coming on. I think um, for people who don't know you, you started coaching people back in, what, 2008? Uh, first job was out of college. It was 2009 at the Poliquin Performance Center in Chicago. So that's where I got my start. It was it was an amazing experience. So I got to work with uh, five first-round draft picks in my first week, and uh, it was it was awesome. So you couldn't ask for a better um, a better start as a strength coach. Uh, learning from uh, you know Mike Bisel owned the place, and then Charles Poliquin. So that's where I got my start, and then. Um, I moved back to Michigan to be closer to family when I was starting my family. And we where was the, up, where was the Poliquin performance? Chicago? It was in, uh, Northfield in Chicago, North shore. So yeah. Yeah. But, sorry. So then you moved. Yeah. I moved back to Michigan, uh, in 2011 and it was, um, Michigan was still experiencing, uh, the recession. So no one was hiring, especially in personal training. And, um, uh, so I had, uh, in order to make money, I had to start my own gym. So yeah, that's what we, that's what we did. Uh, started, uh, Mecca Michigan elite conditioning for athletes in 2012. And, uh, were 11 years later and, uh, 60 plus employees in four locations. Uh, it's pretty cool. So yeah. I love that story. And, and you know what? It's funny. I, um, I, well, I have my new coaching brand, like that I created the yeah. heart heart method and you were one of the main inspirations for action. Um, I find a lot of people get stuck in thinking everything needs to be perfect. Whereas when you started your gym, it was like 800 square feet. Um, and I remember I was talking to one of your first clients, what was, I won't say her name. And you, you bio her in the bathroom at a Starbucks <laughs> Did you leave that off? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think it's important. No, listen, yeah. like everything was whatever. It's just like you needed to get stuff done. Yeah, and it wasn't like oh, I got to make sure I have 
the perfect gym and the perfect equipment and the perfect marketing. Um, so you've been a bit an inspiration to me. Uh, and even how at DFS, like we have a line at work, we say sloppy success is better than like inaction perfection, which I know a lot of people use that line, but I tell that story to my team. Like you've built Mecca into this amazing business with multiple gyms. You're influencing hundreds and thousands of people a month through all your gyms. And really it, it started with taking the action of like, I'm going to get something that works right now and we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you have to have a vision for what you really want in life and, um, what your unique gifts and talents are. And everybody has that. And most people, I don't know, they don't, they don't take action maybe because of fear or they're stuck or, uh, something is pretty good right now, but they know they're um, they're really called to more. And I think, uh, it's a, it's a, a cliche, but good is the enemy of great or, or, and, um, people, it's very uncomfortable to change and to move into a new direction when you've, you know, been in a certain situation for a long period of time and it's comfortable. And that's where most people are. Um, and every single day, you should really work to um, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's really important because you can push yourself and that's where you find out who you are and what you're made of. So, and it could be, it doesn't mean doing something crazy. Getting uncomfortable could be giving one more percent in your Mm -hmm. job Mm -hmm. or not checking out. Or saying no to a coffee. Or saying no to a coffee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or um, this is like, I like elite stuff like absolutely elite. And you know, what's really elite to me is when you've worked a long day, 12 hours and you have nothing left in the, in the tank and you've got to go home and be a world-class dad to your kids. Or you've got to be, you got to do the dishes for your wife and you don't turn it down and you actually do it. That's elite to me. And most people think elite is starting a business or something great with your life is like doing these big things, but it's in the little actions that you take. Um, that's, I think that's, that's really cool. That's more impressive. I think what I've really, like I've known you pretty well for a few years. Um, what I respect most, you have this like unending obsession with what you do. So you're very happy being a strength coach. You're very happy that you're in your space. And you're like obsessed with being a good strength coach. And then you've taken that same obsession and is like, how do I be this amazing CEO type and build a business and help? And like the way you treat your employees and how they love working with you. And it's, it's really fascinating. Your, your brain doesn't shut off. Like you and I can talk business till one in the morning and neither of us get bored. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. I don't know if there's a question to that or I appreciate, Just appreciate that. Statement. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. Um, the question is why both of us are such psychopaths in this department. It's, it's, a uh, it, it's not a bad obsession mm-hmm. if it's not a bad obsession. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And why I'm obsessed is because, or why I really try to get better is because the, what we do is really important. Um, the U S isn't just a, in North America in general, is just in an absolute disaster for physical health right now. 72% of the population's overweight or obese, and personal training needs to get better. 
So let's go into that fact a bit. Like 72%. Yeah, it's awful. There's nothing that the U.S. government can do to be able to handle that on the healthcare system. You can't have whatever you want. You want a capitalistic healthcare system. You want a socialistic healthcare system. It's It doesn't matter because people aren't taking... It's a preventable disease and people, um, we're just not moving the needle. We're going in the wrong direction here. Like, uh, what's his name? Dr. James. Um, he's on Instagram. He has a lot of good content. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, if you have a flat stomach over 30, you're in the top 10%. Yeah, if you is- have abs, you're in the top one. I, I have a distortion around that because I hang out with generally healthy people. Right. But when you think of it as a grand scale, that is... When was the last time you went to an indoor water park? <laughs> Actually, it was here. It's not good. With my ex-girlfriend. And I'm trying to remember where we were in Michigan. Her kids wanted to go to the water park. And you were 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really bad. You're like, oh, yeah, we got a bad situation here. 72% of the population, blah, 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 blah. And then you go to an indoor water park and you're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you feel good about yourself. but it's it's uh it's a really bad thing if you look at pictures from the 1960s 70s everybody had a flat stomach everybody was pretty lean so um so what's happened in the last 50 years and and there's a lot there's a lot that you can talk about definitely outside the expertise of myself or or this podcast but um our business uh, has really changed a lot of lives and uh, helped a lot of people drop, you know, tens, twenties. My my brother, my brother, uh, has dropped uh, over thirty five pounds in the last four months. Like I'm really proud of that. Just by just by doing two habits, it's a thirty minute walk every day, and then not eating food after seven p.m. That's like, you know, that we have five things that we teach people to do to lose weight. And the number one thing is if you want to lose uh, weight. Just stop eating after 7 p.m. That's it. Nothing goes, nothing good goes in your mouth after 7 p.m. So, um, in, in, there's a, just a lot of um, excess calories that aren't going to move the needle to make you healthier. They're going to disrupt your sleep. Um, you're going to be eating a lot of sugar in, in processed foods. Uh, you don't even want to know what I had last night. I don't. Do you That's want me to tell you? Uh, sure. I think you want to tell me. I want to tell you because I started my MRT diet again today. I ordered, I was like, I, this is going to be my last meal for three weeks. The last know. supper. The last supper. Per, yeah. But I'm back. I'm dialed this morning. I've already okay. said no to coffee. Uh, I just knew it was my, like, I'm going three weeks all in. So. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, think about that. In, but how many you, people have you, that as a norm? Yeah. That's what I was, yeah. Mo- you made a conscious decision to to make yourself feel bad last night. And... Um, that was like your deal, <laughs> but, but that's what people do uh, on a daily basis. And that becomes the norm. You mix alcohol in there, which is mm, people are doing that. And yeah, you have a, it's not good. So, um, you know, you started your career saying like, yeah, I was at the Polkman Institute. I trained, trained five, um, first round draft picks, NFL, I would assume. Yeah, um, guys, I was, I was working for Mike and. I was just shadowing and he was, I mean, he had so many guys. I was just helping him out and it was really cool. Like it was just a great experience. So. Yeah. And what I, you know, what's interesting to me is like a lot of people have, uh, athletes as like the pinnacle when they're a strength coach, they want to deal with a lot of athletes. 
And you've dealt with, like, if you go into your gym in Novi, the walls plastered with jerseys. Um, but you've been able to apply these motivational principles that work with athletes and bring them into the gen pop. And you treat your clients who are gen pop like they're an athlete. So did you ever, like when you were figuring out how to work with different clients, was it always just like, I know I got to treat everyone the same? Or when did you start sort of changing to treat your gen pop person like they're a pro athlete? Um, I mean, it just it really depends on the motivation and what someone has. Like if they're a motivated person, I love, I absolutely love working with them and they're a perfect fit for our company. I would say that the the biggest difference with um you know athletes is they have a specific timeline so there's a lot of motivation built in and with um general population you really need to get a lot of people to see the value of uh physical health and fitness they might come and and pay us money to do to do strength training with them they might pay us a lot of money to do that 3 4 days a week um, but it's some, for a lot of people, it's just checking a box. And what we've been able to do is say, Hey, this isn't just a box that you're checking. This is a lifestyle. There's habits that are associated with this and you need to invest in health and physical wellness. It's just super important to do that. So a lot of people are, are investing in a lot of different things. People will in, you know, maybe not invest, but buy, you know, five, six, seven new cars, but they won't hire a personal trainer. Do you know what I mean? Or they won't they won't get a um a, a chef or someone to prepare their meals for them. Where that's just super simple life hacks. Like if you want to get healthy, um, you know, hiring a personal trainer is a life hack. And it's it's gonna move the needle for you because now you have expertise, now you have accountability, and now you have someone to to take you on the journey. Um, and and the big thing is like most people are trying to figure out things for themselves. It's like, oh. I can, I can exercise. We can all do our taxes. Most people with a high net worth have someone else do their taxes for them. Most people, anybody now can, can hire a coach, even if you're making minimum wage, if it's a priority for you, there's like online programs that you can do, uh, that you can get someone to help coach you and help move the needle for you and your health and your health and your physical fitness is one of the most important things. So yeah, I think, you know, we were talking about this morning at breakfast. Um, like I'm on, you you put me on MRT. the it's Mediated sort of, release yeah, test. Yeah, and, it's a blood test that looks at food sensitivities and it looks at histamine and cytokine release in the blood. And so, and in reactivity, so like low-grade inflammation. And when you eliminate foods that you're reactive to, uh, it lowers inflammation and there's just a... Um, Cascade whole, of benefits. Yeah, yeah. whole host, Absolutely. But what we were discussing today is like, I always struggled. I knew I like, I've been to the Charles courses. I, I've been in functional medicine for 11 years. I know what's healthy. I know what's not healthy, but it's almost like when you have too much knowledge, you can trick yourself out of stuff. So when I got put like, why did this MRT program help me drop 30 pounds? Well, here's what I'm allowed to eat. Go eat it. There's no outside of this box. Easy. That was easy to follow. I understand training. I could probably program design myself, but then I'll, it's too much complication. You help program for me or someone else helps program for me. I go in the gym, I do my stuff and it's easy to follow. 
And when you deal with these like um, CEO types, high performers, a lot of people you deal with, it's like that decision fatigue carries over everywhere in life. And um, I've seen your gym. I've been there enough where I've seen these people come in, they get super dialed and they go home and they probably feel like I did this at a high level and I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think. um, Let's uh, actually like one of the most proud things for me if we can talk about it, yeah. is talk about your transformation. Sure. Because um, you've worked with a lot of different coaches. Mm-hmm. You're very, very smart with nutrition. You're running a supplement company. Um, and how would you say, how much would you say you were like overweight, did you think? I had the opposite of body dysmorphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was like, because I was very fit. Like I could go and work out and like hold yeah. my own and do chin-ups and deadlifts and squats and perfect range and all that stuff. But I had this belly that wouldn't go away. Yeah. Um, I was 197 pounds at five, six when we started, when we started and what was the lowest you dropped to 162. That's pretty cool. So 35 pounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when I was coaching you and we started working together, I knew the biggest thing for you is it was psychological for you because you knew all the things to do. Um, you had been doing it for a long period of time and what we needed to do is, um, like your biggest thing, what in life is like, if you, you're a very hard worker and so you're like, well, I'm just going to work hard. I'm not going to do all the things I'm supposed to do, but I'm just going to outwork it and, uh, out biohack it. (laughs) That was, yeah. I would do all the complicated stuff. Yeah. 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 So you're majoring in the minors, but you were also putting in a ton of effort into it. I mean, you hired a personal, you've hired personal trainers, multiple personal trainers. You've been to, you oh, get your function. blood work, I've all spent that stuff. A, I've spent over $100,000. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you spent a lot of money. And the biggest thing for you is psychological. So it was like, we were, what we do, we train four days a week. And it was like, that was it. And it started. We, Jefferson think, curls. Yeah, we started stretching. <laughs> yeah. We did, we did lower reps, but we did really focused on uh, exercise execution and the biggest thing with you is you're so inflamed because you were, um, you're very dopamine dominant. You have a ton of stress in your life. You're running a company, right? So you have all these different things going on in your work, 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 but you weren't, you know, sleeping, uh, you weren't, um, getting in enough, uh, water, like, like those kind of things, like super basic, you weren't stretching. So we started just adding in those things. Um, and then we made the training where you won all the time. So for a year, you're a dopamine dominant person. You love success. And when you wouldn't have, like if someone would beat you into the ground, like in terms of training, um, that would like lower your, uh, your dopamine levels instead of getting you that high, which that's what you want. So success breeds success. And when you would have a good training session, which the biggest thing that, that most trainers need to do is they need to get their clients to have success wherever it's, it does not matter where the client starts. You have to improve the client 1% every training session. And you need to show that client that you don't need maximal effort. You don't need to kill yourself every time you come to the gym, but you need to be able to help your client, um, push themselves 1% harder than they could themselves and then take them on a more linear path instead of zigzagging all across the place. If you can do those things, you start building them wins. And that's what we did with you. So you're super uh, motivated. So when you come into the gym, you'd have an easy, like a, a training session that was quote unquote. Yeah, I thought it was too easy. You're, yeah. you're like, this is too easy. But then you like started getting 
strong. <laughs> he started getting really strong. And um, so that that's where like my expertise came in as a coach is like I understood your psychology, I understood who you were, how you were motivated, and then how to train you so you could we could build success for you because in the past what people you know, everybody's trying to just kind of beat you up because you talk a lot of trash. It's, it's a, <laughs> you're, you know, you're an easy person that want to, you want to get competitive with. Right. But the most important thing for you is just to give yourself wins. And so every time you come to the gym, you're actually getting better. You feel better. You're moving better. You're getting stronger. You see your weights go up and that's very as, motivating. As I drop 35 pounds, 35 pounds. And then what we did is we just titrated your diet. The MRT is pretty special. And so that alone, cause you're, you're a high cortisol person. So you're just kind of blowing through adrenal glands and, uh, producing too much cortisol at the wrong times. And when we lowered the stress on your, um, on your internal system, so your digestive stress, putting in foods that were only good for you, um, that just lowered a, a ton of, I'm going to use the wrong word, but noise to the rest, to your brain and the rest of the body. And so we lowered your overall stress quite a bit and that was able to increase your output. All right. So less input coming in that was negative, more output that could go up that is to be high performance. And that's, um, and this is all part of the training. And that's, I love this stuff because training you was completely different than training anybody else I've ever trained. And that's like everybody that I train. That's why I really love, that's why I just love personal training and strength and conditioning is because everybody's a unique puzzle and everybody's a unique individual. And the expertise of the coach really comes into play to move the needle. And I like to say, hey, am I really good? Like if there's a um, hundred strength coaches out there, I want to be the one, if I jive with this person, I want to be the one to, to get the best results. That's what I try to tell myself, and that's very motivating for me. So it's been super fun working with you, and it's Same. been super fun seeing the results. That's been really cool. So uh, uh, one side note, then I got a question. You know where I've noticed it the most is I've just basically done an eight-city tour across different time zones over like 10 days. Mm-hmm. And before I'd be blown out like zombie and I'm not, not tired. There's a tiredness, but I find my resiliency is a lot better just from these changes. Yeah. Like it's, it's, that's where I'm noticing it. So you're like, Oh, in somebody's life. Um, so one thing that you like to, um, instill in coaches, we, about a year ago, we did an event at your gym. You're actually wearing the sweater from it. Um, and we had about 30 coaches in a room and we were going over what makes Mecca successful. There was training principle discussion. There was business discussion. But you really sort of hammered in the idea that the basics are good for most people and not to overcomplicate training. Um, and I think what you're highlighting, especially when you're talking to me, is this idea of like being a good trainer and a good coach is a lot more than coming up with the perfect program. So. When did you start to realize, like, it's more of, like, like, where did this thinking come from? Like, you said, like, I know I got to get him little wins. You know, you really paid attention to who I was. Like, where did you start to develop those skills? Uh, man, I, my dad was a strength coach, and he was the head coach of a football team. And I've seen my dad lead organizations. And then I played for 
one of the best high school basketball coaches uh, in the state of Michigan, Dan Hoff, who's very demanding, very uh, hard to play for, but really made me, um, uh, I'd say, a better human being, like in high school. And then I I played for uh, Brian Kelly, who's the head football coach at LSU, Uh, been in the winningest coach in Notre Dame football history, which that's pretty cool. Where'd you play with him? Uh, at Central Michigan University, yeah. and we won a championship 2006. And who who got the winning touchdown? Not me. Oh, I had the I had the interception. The I had the interception yeah, yeah. To, uh, to close the game out. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, you know, pictures on the front page of the paper, holding the trophy, all that stuff. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And then I played for uh, Butch Jones, who is uh, at Tennessee uh, in the SEC, and then now he's. Um, at Arkansas State, he's the head, head coach at Arkansas, and then a very tough coach to play for. But all those guys um, were were awesome. I learned a lot from them, and they made a, a big impact in my life. And so you just you pick up little things from everybody that you work with. But I really understood uh, the psychology of coaching from from that. And then being in business, you have to you kind of start thinking about like how to treat people, like. Um, I would say my business is a reflection of my faith. So I'm Catholic and the most important thing in my life is my faith in God. And the way you treat people uh, is a reflection of um, what you believe, who you are, and your purpose in life. So are you, are you um, using people to make money or are you, are you really trying to ha- enhance people's life by a mission in what we're doing? Like, we're very purpose driven in our business. We're for profit, right? We want to make money, but our mission is so much bigger. And if the business were to close tomorrow, I'd be really happy um, with everything that we've done because we've helped so many people. Um, whether it's, you know, um, we, I mean, the list, go, I mean, there's so many people that have lost weight, that are, their life has in, improved. We've had employees that have been able to you know, we have really good benefits in our company and we've had employees been able to take maternity, paternity, take time off with their kids, um, build a life for themselves, buy houses, that, that, and get married. Those are the things that really make me honestly the most happy in the business. And then the, what we do and how we move the needle for people in their health, it's so mission driven and it's, it's my favorite thing about what we do. And um, the way we treat people, and especially our employees, our, our team members, and we call it our tribe, um, that's more important to me than how much money we make. And and I and I do want to make money. I want to be successful. I wanna I wanna um, have a go at it. But that is because at the end of the day, you can't take it with you when you die, and we'll all die. That's that's the one thing that we know in life is that at the we all will play a certain amount of plays, right? Um, some, some, some of us will get longer, you know, get to play the game a little bit longer. And a lot of that, go, of that goes into your health, but at the end of the day, we're all going to die. And I really feel, um, and my belief is that we're all, um, infinite souls. So we'll live on for eternity, but what we do, uh, in this life matters. echoes and matters through eternity. So it's a, in the way you treat people and the way you love people, that is the, you know, with, with our, with my faith, that is the most important thing you can do. And it's just, I get to do it through the vehicle of my business. Um, there's a few things I want to unpack here. Cause that was, I think that this is crucial for strength coaches or dietitians or anyone listening. 
for all of them, but the ones trying to build their own business. Um, so like you inspired me when we, when we started DFS, um, we had some ideas of values. I knew I wanted to help people, but I actually about a year ago pulled the team into a boardroom and for three to four hours, I had an exercise on how to figure out what your values are as a person. I made us go as a team and develop the values of DFS. And it was like, this is how we look through everything that we do. So are we going to do, if we do this initiative, is it through these values? If we decide to work with this person, do they have these values? And a lot of companies just sort of put values as like a statement to have. But what I respected about Mecca and what really motivated me was after the event we did, everybody at Mecca, and if they don't have the values, they're just, they're just not at Mecca anymore. They find their way out somehow, mm-hmm. live and breathe these values. And then you end up attracting clients who live and breathe these values. Yes. So if you were coaching a new strength coach right now who's opening their business, how crucial of an exercise is it in your mind to come up with these values? Most important thing, if you want to grow just besides yourself, like if you want to hire your first employee, you better have values. And we didn't have um, values or core values. I didn't really know what those were for other people. Like I didn't really define them um, for our business. I had them for myself. But once we got our core values in place, so like for us, it's like hardworking. That's like, if you don't work hard, you're... It's, it's just not a good fit. It's just not going to jive. Um, you, you have to be a positive person in our company too. So that's a, a second core value. We have five, but I won't run through them all. But like being a team player, like being on a team, there's a lot of people that just want to um, have like an individualistic approach, right? So, so those are some of our core values. And you, it's, it's so hard because if you're not aligned with the right core values, there's an integrity gap. Uh, it doesn't mean that person's a bad person, but there's an integrity gap between where you want to go, who you want to work with, and the results that you want to get. And if, if you know, let's say, like, one of my favorite things is A players love working with A players because A players just want to win. They, they're so mission-driven, and they... They, they, they want to be excellent in everything they do and they don't settle. And so let's say you have someone in an organization who's an A player. They get very frustrated with B and C players. Mm-hmm. It really brings them down and it saps their energy. And they also get very frustrated with um, leadership that's not aligned with the mission. And that is extremely difficult for A players to, to deal with. The, um, B players, B players love C players because, because B players, they'll, they'll do their job, but they'll do their job. They'll compare themselves to everybody that's below them. And so in our company, like our A players do all the interviewing because A players won't hire B and C players. And that's something that we figured out and it's made a world of difference in the last two years for us. Yeah. You know, it's, I'll I'll give you a quick example, just how important these core values are. Um, in 2020, um, we had 18 employees, uh, after the pandemic was over, we started with 18, kept everybody. And then now we're over 60 in, 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 you would call it in, in basically two years, two and two, two and a half years. And it's when we got the core values aligned, we got 
just the right people in our business and the people who just didn't have the core values out of our business. And our business has exploded because of that one thing. So if there's one lesson, um, and you hit on it, that you would have is having core values and everybody has to be aligned with the mission. And then everybody has to believe those core values. If you, you can't, you can't do anything special if you don't have that. And culture, I mean, absolutely culture, uh, beats strategy every single day of the week. If you have great culture, you're, you're all aligned and you're on fire for a mission. There's something really, really special about that. And that's like the, the nuclear energy that allows companies to do something great. Um, so, so that's really important, I think. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like working at, um, designs for sport, uh, the founder of DFH, Jonathan, him and I have, we share a lot of the same values and like, I, I can see it. Like I wouldn't be able to work in an environment where like, if I have an idea and to not be able to work it out and told like, Hey, it's six o'clock. Don't talk to me or right. Because, and everybody on my team is the same way. Like I'll get Ryan will message me at like today's Saturday. I think it was eight in the morning. Hey, we should look at getting this guy or I, I, so I, I assume I'm an A player, but yes, you're an A player. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, obsessed. Like what, didn't I have to tell you to take a vacation and yeah. it's been like three or four years? Eight. I've, ne- I've never, <laughs> no, like even when I would take time off, there yeah, was no actual time off. No, you still be. So this is the problem that you and I have when we hang out. It's like, we can talk about work till it's, it's a, it's a workcation. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's, that's all my best friends. All my best friends are, are like that. They're all driven. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends is uh, Dave Hollinger. Um, I mean, I work with all my best friends. So Dave Hollinger, Bobby Logan, Mike. Uh, I mean, the whole team, really. It's it's really cool. And M- Matt Sobeck. And, uh, like, I've got to get those guys. Like, it's a rule in our company. You don't work on Sunday. And, like, we're, like, making those guys don't work on Sunday. <laughs> They're all obsessed. And Bobby's in the gym every single day at 5 a.m. Dave Hollinger's working till, you know, 1030 at night on Saturday. I mean, he works all day. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane because these guys are obsessed about what we're doing and they're very passionate. And that gives you a lot of confidence that even if we don't have the right strategy or make the right plays, we can make ourselves right. Um, and it, yeah, it's like even at, um, at DFS, integrity and transparency, those are two big ones. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have a team where people are nervous to voice their opinion. They, it's actually like, no, no, we don't want you holding things in, like let it out. Cause to me and actually to the team, cause we came up with it together, like holding stuff back and being deceitful in a way can ruin a team really quick Oh yeah, rather than absolutely. being, you know, we all treat each other with respect, but letting our opinions out there and being transparent about them and acting with integrity. We've had some really difficult conversations as a team where we disagree with stuff, but then the best possible option comes out. Yeah, that's it's a healthy conflict, and uh, most people aren't mature enough to handle healthy conflict. That's something that um, we've worked on with our team because everybody is passionate and everybody cares about each other. No one wants to make each, you know someone feel bad, but that's how the best ideas get vetted. And um, you know, majority some person on our team has a different perspective that no one else has. Mm-hmm. And they better speak up. And if they don't, they will hurt the rest of the team. So 
absolutely. That's and that's I think why you guys have been really successful and you've been able to grow. I mean, DF um, DFS is a relatively new company, and you guys have been able to grow and you're picking up steam. And you, yeah, we're, we, we're, yeah. we're we're taking market share right now, and it's it's really cool. You know, with the college, and you guys got some unbelievable people on your team. With like Ryan is very impressive. Jill and Melissa are very impressive. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, reps, you don't have a group of more knowledgeable reps that work as hard as they do. I just, I've been in the industry for over a decade and I've seen a lot. And I mean, the team that you guys have and what you've built, um, is very impressive. Well, you know, one thing, thank you for saying that. Um, the audio and the visual got a match. Remember Charles would always say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody on our team lives and breathes the lifestyle. We get excited about training. Like when Ryan and I go on the road, sometimes we'll be in a gym in a team, like in a, yeah. and we'll like we'll train with the coach. It's like part of us going. Like it's fun and it's exciting. Yeah, and it's not like us putting on a show. We actually actually it was funny. We were in Houston. <laughs> Ryan tells the story. <laughs> Somehow I walked in and I I came up with the the routine for these strength coaches. I'm like, ah, these guys coach all year round. Like I'll just, we'll do a yeah, gun, yeah. we'll do a gun run. But, um, yeah, it's, it's such an impactful thing. This idea of values. Cause if you don't have the way I sort of looked at it was like, this is the lens you're going to view every single decision. And sometimes, and I'm sure it's come with you where you have these opportunities that come to you, but they don't align with your values. And if you don't have your values, you're like, wait, maybe it's a lot of money. Maybe I should take, I had personally, I had a company offer me like an obscene amount of money, another supplement company to be their, uh, head of sales. And I just, I knew the values didn't align. And I know my values at DFH to line. It wasn't even a second thought. Whereas if I didn't have my values figured out, mm -hmm. it would have been such a conflicted decision. Yeah, that's really good. Um, a lot of people I've seen, I've seen this in every, every industry, every profession. I had a good friend of mine who, um, they were, he was in a young company. It was, uh, not, it was over, it had been in business for 10 years and he got promoted at 28, 30 years old to chief marketing officer. And he was making, um, good money. He had company lunch. He had like everything. He had a great stipend. He had free company ring. lunch. He had company How do you lunch. leave? How do you yeah, leave right, company lunch? Right. He had a great stipend. Everything paid for. Um, and and he had tremendous upside in the company. Like he had a way of ownership in the company. He in in this. It was all there. It was all there. And he um, was growing the company. Everything was going really really well. And a Fortune 100 company offered him a ton of money. Uh, 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 an auto company right here. And um, for it was just a big salary. And it wasn't even that much. It was like, for what he, it was like $25,000 more. But it wasn't like life-changing money. And, you know, the, the upside for what he had, um, you know, was so much higher, but he, he didn't have any of those values. And he ended up quitting the job three months later um, because the company was absolutely awful to work for. And he, he took a pay cut, but, and it took him a decade to get, get back, back, get back and realize what his passion was and find his lens and his, and his values. Um, just because he wasn't aligned. And I see that happen all the time, uh, in, in sports profession where, you know, if it's, it's, 
it's always good, you know, um, money, money is important, but it really shouldn't be top of the list um, for, for most people, especially if you have a family and you're in a community. Um, you, the most important thing, I think, is what kind of impact are you making? Um, and, and if your values uh, are aligning with the organizations and, and that impact and how, how much of a difference you can make in using your unique uh, talents and abilities, um, that's most important. Then I, I always think if you're able to make a bigger impact, um, the finances always come at some point. So Everyone I respect as an entrepreneur lives that way. They, they had their values. They had their mission. They had their purpose. Um, whether they wanted to impact people through health and wellness or they want through real estate, whatever their thing was, but they all have this value system and they've been able to win at life. Mm-hmm. A- and um, I think for a lot of the coaches listening, like, yes, we're in the strength coaching world or we're in the dietitian world or we're in supporting people, but you're a business owner and you have to think like a business owner. And that's what you've done so well is like, you say, I am a strength coach, but like you've, thought just as much about business as you have about strength coaching more so in the last four years it's where i'm at because i can have a bigger impact even though my my heart is in as a strength coach i don't have the skills um right now to like like our biggest our next goal is um we we want to have a big impact so for us it's in in three to five years we'd like to be a 30 million dollar company um, we'd like to have 10 locations, uh, that that's what we're, we're hunting in the next three to five years. Um, and money is just how you keep score and how you keep on pace. It has really, I talk about money and I have no problem talking about money because it's, um, it's just a tool, but it's not like I've never compared myself to anybody else. Cause I grew up, I didn't have any money, but it wasn't something I needed. And if I like again, lost the business tomorrow. It would suck. Like I'd be sad about it, but I'd be all right. Like it's not who I have my identity in, and I don't have. You, you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was gonna troll you on something, but I'll hold it back. Yeah, yeah, you can troll. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, if you had to go back to a cracked windshield, you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Dave yeah. to humble himself for years. <laughs> Drove with a cracked windshield. Um, I had a yeah, I have a nice, a really nice car, but had a cracked windshield, and I just didn't care to fix it because driving a nice car is nice, but I don't even, I don't really care. So it's nice. But yeah, I don't care. and um, yeah, it's sort of like purpose over finances, and yeah, it's it's weird. Like, um, I, I've always had a hard time. Um, you know, I've always had a hard time with people who are solely money driven. Uh, I I know it's how you keep score or whatever, but there's such a human element and um, money is just a tool and it's a tool to, um, it's a, it's a tool for a lot of different things, but it's also a tool to really be able to help other people. And I think that's um, the most important use of money. So, yeah. Um, you know, and the thing that, especially in your space, like the private sector, it's almost like to me, like I try to walk around life with a white belt mentality, like it's a martial arts term, mm-hmm. like you know, white belt being junior, black belt being expert. You, there's so much you can learn out of looking at your client base, because the person who is affording your level of training is someone who's built success somewhere. 
Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when we get into a coaching role, we like, oh, I'm going to be the expert here. But especially when you're working with someone closely four times a week, let's say they own car dealerships, there's something you can learn from them that can help your business out. And I've seen you do that over and over again with a lot of people. Like you're, you don't stop learning. Um, where you, you know, objectively, if you were like, hey, listen, I've learned everything I need to up until now, you've hit a really good point. But like you're the first person at a seminar, writing notes, finding the one thing, reading a different, like how many books are you reading right now? Or do you read on average? Uh, I usually read a book a week. Right. So, like, yeah. That's 52 books a year. Yeah. I've got, snacked one out this morning. And, Wait, what yeah. book? Um, it was a old nutrition manual from Vince Garanda. Okay. Yeah, from 1977. So it was, it was just super interesting. Uh, yeah, a, a big nutrition manual of everything that he'd accumulated. And nutri- Vince Garanda was an old bodybuilding legend and one of the first personal trainers uh, ever. So he was, he was um, the first person to advocate like a meat and nuts breakfast. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where Charles got a lot of his stuff from. He was, um, you know, everything from the um, 14 day, um, you know, low carbohydrate diet, then carb cycling after that. That was Vince Caranda. Uh, heavy cream. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, non, um, non pasteurized dairy. Can I borrow this book when you're done? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing how much knowledge this guy had. And he had uh, all these um, medical uh, doctors consult with him and, he had, he trained um, Schwarzenegger. He trained a ton of people. Uh, Larry Scott for the you know Scott Curl and he he it was pretty pretty amazing. He had a lot of very different ideas on nutrition and um, you know uh, supplementation. He came out with a supplement line, one of the first supplement lines ever. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was really cool. He was one of the first people to advocate for. Um, that um, eating dietary cholesterol didn't increase uh, cholesterol in the body, um, and that and what, that was back in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, back in the sixties and seventies. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, dude was unbelievable, and it's uh, where Charles got a lot of his information from. So, yeah, and you're touching on something like uh, we had Ron insert on the podcast, Ronnie. Yeah, he's awesome. But very similar mindset to you. Like he he's trained NFL guys, NBA guys. Uh, jiu-jitsu guys he's had the successes he's at every single event that we've ever done i'm like why do you keep learning it's like he's like you can't go to the same course twice it's impossible because Mm -hmm. you're a different person every time you go and then you it's like you're reading a book a week and it's um and you know preston you go into his office there's layers of book or even prentice he's in his later years i won't say his age but like he's still always learning and well that's that's cool like i've gotten to know ben uh pretty well the last couple years and uh, like a players, like hanging out with a players. And there's so much that I've been able to learn from Ben and just in the last couple of years, and I've been in the game for a bit. I'm not, but the thing I, I actually think about myself, I always think that, that, that I'm going to get better and the best is yet to come. And, um, I've never made it. I don't, that would be super sad to me. If this is where I got to, and that was it, like this is the peak. Yeah, this is the peak. But you have uh, a full windshield now. I have a full windshield, so the windshield's not cracked anymore. Um, but yeah, like I always, I always for myself, I'm I'm always gonna get better results every single year. I'm gonna get better results. I'm gonna try to refine my process, the craft, 
um, like right now in our company, I think our training needs to improve, but I'm also looking back and I think I've gotten better as a coach, but I don't think I've passed that down to our business. So, um, for, so what I've seen is usually it goes like that. They go together. So you're sort of seeing where you were five years ago. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of reflecting. I'm like, you know what? I haven't been educating the guys like I need to. That's my fault. Um, cause, cause there's that gap right now where last year we were probably getting the best results our company's ever gotten. Um, and same people, people aren't different, but it's like, um, we haven't been investing in education. So yeah. So that's like, that's the knowledge gap right there. Maybe that's the name of your book. <laughs> so yeah, it's honestly, selfishly half the reason I have this podcast is I, I don't read a lot anymore. I audio book. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I like listening to podcasts, but I'm like, I want to bring all these people. Like I, if I can learn one thing out of this podcast, every time I do one, it's like a win to me. And, um, for coaches to understand, it's like, you don't just need to go to the, you know, go to whatever blog post or forum to read. Like there's so many ways to learn now and improve that you almost have no excuse to be the same person year over year. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm in a couple of different masterminds. I know you are. I get more, I do more learning actually working like in my day to day work than I do reading books. Mm-hmm. Um, books help give you, uh, like, I don't like knowledge or abstract knowledge or conceptual ideas about how to implement something, but then you actually have to go do it. And that's the actual, that's the hard part. And that's where most of the learning comes from. So you don't become a good coach, you know, strength coach by reading the NSCA manual. You become a good strength coach by like training your people. Ass off. You don't, yeah, you don't become a good strength coach by going to a seminar. It really helps, but you need to put in hours and uh, 2000, by the time it was 2019, I'd coached 20, almost 30,000 uh, training sessions, 30,000 30, hours in 12 years it's a lot it's upset you know and and so you see the same thing and then you can refine you can refine you can refine and that those 30,000 hours were the difference of why I was able to help you and you know and then all my life experience does that make sense yeah no, it 100% I've taken sense. the there's a lot of people that have more knowledge of like uh, nutrition or anatomy or exercise science. Um, but I understand like other, I have other aspects too. Like, like emotional intelligence is super important. And that's something that so many people are lacking is the ability to have empathy for other people and understand where they're at and what their goals are and taking your own ego out of it. Okay. And just being there to support them and help them. And so when I was training you, it had nothing to do with me, nothing. I was privileged and honored to be able to be in that space for you, to be able to help you. And honestly, if you want to be a great coach, that's the missing link. You're going to win every time. If you take your own ego out of it, mm-hmm. work on emotional intelligence and actually like everything that you're doing, it's an honor and a privilege to be in that space to help somebody else get to where they want to go. It's the coolest thing. And you're not, and it's not about you. It's about that person. And it's cool to be, uh, to, it's cool to be part of their journey. You know, it's, so, um, 
like if I ever coach somebody or if I work with someone, um, it's funny. I always thank them at the end of whatever session. And it's like, why do I think of it's like a, so I, you know, I've had coaches and I'm part of masterminds and, yeah, and you know, for sure. one of my coaches, Genya, who's been extremely impactful in my life. Um, he makes you sign a contract when you work with him. And in that contract, he's like, I will be 108%, you know, the typical, like over hundred yeah, yeah, yeah. percent. This is a, it is a coaching partnership. I'm going to be 108% invested in you. You're going to be 108% invested in me. And we're going on this journey together. I'm going to learn from you. You're going to learn from me. And he's like, when you're a coach, whether you're a strength coach, life coach, business coach, whatever, when you, whatever you're working through with that person that they're showing, you still have inside of you to work through. Hmm. So, you know, on the side, I started helping people with MRT. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do that, I need to get back on MRT because I'm not going to be able to help them through the challenge that they're going to go through without re-experiencing it myself. So like um, this, like walking the walk is super important. And then again, supporting them and like going through it, but you need time and you need experience or else you can't get there. I don't know if that's 280. No, yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I learned something from every single one of my clients, from every one of my uh, partners, team members. It's, I learned more um, from them than I think they could possibly learn from me, but that's because I'm also open to learning from them. And most people think they've got life all figured out. And especially in like corporate structures, if we get back to work, like you're the CEO, but you're willing to learn from the people who work with you. Yeah. The, the, right. the newest, the newest hire. I'm, uh, I like, I learn a lot from them because I, I'll learn to see what we've done well. Uh, to onboard them, what we haven't done well. Have we supported them? Have we given them the tools? Um, are we are we helping get them, you know, um, leveling them up? You know, there's a ton of things, and it's all self-reflection of what I've done and the processes we put in and how much we really care. And so I take that. So, yeah, 100%. No, but it, it's something that people don't think about. Mm-hmm. And it's like imagine being a strength coach, personal trainer, and you – phrase your day like i'm getting paid to learn stuff yeah like how how fulfilling is your life going to be it's like most people that could be every single job and most people don't do that they punch the clock because they have no they don't have a vision for their life they don't have core values so they don't know who they want to be where they want to go and how they're going to get there they don't have a set of rules core values or a compass by the way they're going to live their life Hmm. So, and one of my favorite, um, uh, f- favorite, um, um, passages in the Bibles is Proverbs and it's, um, where the people have no, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. I think it's Proverbs, uh, chapter 23. And if you don't have a vision for your life, you will go around aimlessly. You won't take every, you, like you won't take every day as a gift. You won't take every interaction with somebody as a gift. It's just blah. It's just blah. <laughs> Does this make sense? Yeah, and it doesn't. It's checked like, out. They're checked out. So many I, people are checked out. So what I struggle to balance, and we're going down a very different rabbit hole here, but I think it's all relevant, whatever. Um, you need vision, and then you also need to make sure you're not attached to any outcome. Because when you attach to the outcome, and let's say you fail that one outcome, mm-hmm. 
um, you might view yourself as a failure or get into a really negative trap. Whereas that book, you know, one of the best books you ever recommended to me was a uh, gap in the gain. Yeah. And um, yeah, Benjamin Hardy, he's in yeah. your group. Yeah. He's, in, did I tell you what happened? This was a perfect, this is how God showed it to me in the real world. So I'm at genius and I see Jordan Boxer and next to me, I see Benjamin Hardy and I'm like, yes, I'm going to sit beside Benjamin. Uh, perfect. Great. Right. Then all of a sudden, Eunice, who's like the um, Eunice, who's like the uh, uh, like coordinator for Joe, takes Benjamin's name tag, takes it across for me, like mm. two or three down, and put, I won't say the name of the other guy. Puts the other guy beside me, and I'm just like, "Come on!" Like, guy walks in, he's wearing a golf shirt, looks sort of like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. unpolished, and I'm like, "What did I get?" And then I see his business and. Uh, it's like garage doors and I'm like, great. I got some like it, this. I'm watching my thoughts like, oh, great. I got somebody who uh, probably like has a small business, whatever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he, so Joe's like, hey, stand up. So the guy stands up. He's like, yeah, uh, we do 15,000 garage doors a month <laughs> across the country. And uh I'm exiting my company for X amount, a hundred millions of dollars for 50%. And I'm like, A, don't ever judge a book by its cover. Right. Yeah. yeah. B, like I have a vision for the event. Don't get attached to the outcome. Like all, you, you can start to look at things and sure. Um, realize like there's my whole point to this is like my visions to learn, to be better. If I get attached to the outcome, this is just an example. The outcome was Benjamin Hardy beside me. He left. And I'm all upset versus like this other guy sits down. We start talking. He's a cool guy. We're both teaching each other stuff. The vision is still there. It's just like, you don't always know how it's going to look, but that's why you need, I think your values, the vision and all that together. Yeah. I think if you get attached to an outcome, uh, it's, it's, uh, there's things that you can want, but you should never need anything. And, um, a lot of that has to do um, with being with humility and being open, and also um, when p- people try to control uh, too much in their life, it causes anxiety. And in America, we have a, a an issue right now with anxiety and depression, and that's because people are trying to control too many variables in their life. And when you're free, you can have like I have. There's a lot of things that I want, but there's not really anything I need. Um, there's one thing I really need and that's, I need a greater capacity to love. I need to have a greater capacity to love God and my relationship with, uh, my wife and my children and other people. Like that's what I need. Um, but everything else is, everything else is a bonus. Everything else is a want. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's like a really important thing uh, to have is you, you should have goals. You should have a vision. You should have a, a mission. But um, part of life is winning and losing or winning and learning, right? And uh, there's been so many things that uh, I failed at. And there's actually only been a couple things I've actually been good at, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I'm still learning, right? And that's like that one that keeps you humble. Um, and it keeps life fun and it keeps life interesting too. And it also like makes you compete. So, that, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not... I'm not that good. Maybe I don't have it all figured out. Most of us want to put on 
like the best thing that we've ever done, but most of us suck at most of the things that we do. And that's just, that's just life. And that's okay too. <laughs> it really is. Especially people who are hyper successful. They're usually hyper successful with one, maybe two things. Um, and so I think that it's really important to have a degree of humility and then um, to like do the very best you can, work hard, be obsessed if it's a good obsession, love, but also have your hands open for whatever life brings you. And that's, that's really, really cool. And the people that can do that, that can really do that, those people are so elite. Those people are so elite because they have such a, they have a, such a, um, like a winner's mindset uh, where their hands are open to whatever life brings them. And there's a saying, right? Um, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I completely believe that uh, so much. And in America, we're so blessed. If you're on food stamps, you're like in the top like 70 or 80% like wealthiest people in the world, right? Because you have, you have a roof over your head. You usually have a car to drive. You have food every day. And you have a cell phone that can talk to anybody at any point in time. Your standard of living is so much higher than anybody's even 30, 40, 50 years ago. And there's so many people, like uh, a third of the world's illiterate. People don't realize that. Like 33% of the world is illiterate. Um, so, I mean, like, think about this. And just, this is a really important mindset for people to have who are very ungrateful here. And we have the, the highest levels of depression. We have the highest levels of obesity. And we have the, one of the highest levels of suicide in our country, in, in, in North America, all right? So if you look at it, and this has to go back to being gr grateful and to living your life with your, your hands open, um, a third of the world is dying of malnutrition. They don't have enough, they don't, they're not getting enough to eat on a daily basis, like with all the vitamins and minerals and all that stuff. So they're, so they're not necessarily dying, but they're malnourished, a third of the world, okay? A third of the world is suffering some kind of political injustice, all right? And a third of the world is suffering or dying of overeating. Think about that. So there's the haves and the have-nots, but a lot of the have-nots are so grateful. They, don't, they might not have um, material stuff. And Mother Teresa, when she came, um, Mother Teresa, she um, started an orphanage for the poor in Calcutta. And she said... And when she came to America, she traveled to America to raise uh, awareness and, and funds. And she said, there's a poverty in America like no other, where people are poor in spirit and they're poor in, re like, poor in relationships. And they have the lowest level of happiness that she'd seen. And it's, so it's really important to be grateful, to have a positive outlook on things. And, and uh, I mean, I'll go just, you have to be grateful for what you have. Because you have so much more than other people. And it's like, you can bring that into any part of your life, especially work. Um, like, it's very easy for us to look at our moment now. And especially if you're built for success in your mind, mm -hmm. the negative of it is I want more. I should be doing more. I should be better. I should, I should, I should. And it's bringing a healthy check of reality. Like 10 years ago, that version of Jordan would kill to be where this Jordan is now. That goes back to the book, The Gap and the Game, yeah, it, it's, right? Measure yourself backwards instead of, you know, who yeah. you're going to be in the future. A hundred percent. And I don't know if there's any, like, <laughs> I feel that was a mic drop moment to end this episode. 
Um, so just to summarize everything, like I like to give three key takeaways for every episode that we do. So tell me if I got these down in your mind. One, I think that rant that you just went on at the end was perfect. So be grateful. No, I'm saying honestly, yeah, like I think that's a that predicates a lot of what you do. Two, understand your values so you have a vision to work through the world with. And three, um, look at life as a student. Yeah, I think I would, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to find you, um, your Instagram is I think it's like Mecca Strong, if you yeah, want to that Mecca one. Strong on that one, yeah. Okay. M E C A strong. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone wants to find me, it's a uh, born B O R N underscore at sign under, or no, sorry, born underscore, uh, underscore boxer B O K S E R. Um, really appreciate having you on. Dave's the head of our sport advisory board. So if you have any ideas for education you might want from Dave, please let us know, uh, formula ideas. He helps us out with, um, and he's going to be one of the speakers at the summit, which probably will be passed by the time this gets posted. But we'll let you know how he how he did. Either <laughs> amazing or burning in flames, but we'll see. Probably amazing. So uh, thank you, everyone. And until next time, uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Hey, thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thank you again for joining us in Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and we just want to thank you from everyone at Designs for Sport for giving us your time and attention. We hope to continue to bring you episodes that will help pique your interest and help you elevate your career so we can elevate the industry. Thank you.